So as we, as we said there, anxiety, it is a massive topic to be able to cover, um, but it's great to be able to just hear from people how they have, uh, how they've worked through it. Uh, it touches on anxiety, it touches on a lot of different things as well. It touches on depression, maybe suicide, suicidal thoughts, self-harm, what maybe people might just label more broadly as poor mental health. Um, yet when we talk to people, it's always helpful just to hear how they have processed it, especially as Christians, and, and how they've, they've worked through it and managed it for themselves. And so in, in that light, just love to be able to hear from you both. Uh, Dave, you want to go first? <laughs> uh, let, me, let me ask you, uh, when it comes to anxiety, uh, was there something, speaking of your own story, is there something that, that's triggered it in your own life, or was it something that happened over a longer period of, of time? Personally, I can't remember a specific trigger point, but I've been suffering with anxiety and depression since my late teens. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so it's just, just something that's happened when you were a young person. Jill, yourself? Yeah, so for me, it was uh, last year, last year, 2022, yeah. So end of 21, 22, there was a whole chain of events happened in my life. Sorry, I get emotional, it's not... Um, it's okay to say what they were. Yeah. Yeah, so um, we lost my son's grandfather who'd had Alzheimer's and um, and cancer. And we've been, as a family, really supporting them because I work in mental health and his family didn't really understand Alzheimer's and how that was or looked. So we provided some support and, and guidance and signposting for them. At the same time, my aunt became very anxious. She's always been an anxious person, but it increased massively. Um, eventually led on to her becoming psychotic and having to be sectioned and admitted to hospital. And she doesn't have family of her own, so most of that, again, fell on me and my family. Um, also, my in the midst of all of that, and it's like I'm just sort of saying this, it wasn't linear, it was all going on all at the same time. My daughter was getting married, which is a lovely thing, except for the fact that she's a tiny little dot and her wedding dress had to be altered massively. And um, very close to the wedding, we were told that the manager of the store where she was buying the dress, who was doing all the alterations, had just walked out and left no instructions as to what was going to happen with her dress. And so this was like another thing. We were having to make many more trips to the store, and we didn't actually end up picking up her dress till the day before the wedding. So it was all that. And then um, all at the same time, a patient that I had been working with very closely in hospital, um, and also I'd worked with his mother out in the community when I'd been in a community team, and I knew that they were incredibly close, the two of them. And it was a, he was discharged and everything seemed fine. And then two months later, this is when I heard about this, it all happened on the day of my daughter's wedding, he had actually committed the double murder and then committed suicide. And as a result of all of that, I literally went into a meltdown. Mm. Mm. I can imagine. I can imagine. It's a lot to, to bear. It's a lot to bear. Thanks for sharing that, Joe. Um, as we think about, yeah, if you want to pass it back to Dave, uh, think about things that maybe you've been suggested uh, by others, uh, maybe people close to you, maybe medical uh, professionals. So what are some of the things that, that you've done and how, how effective have you found them to be? 
the biggest thing is to talk. Yeah. Don't keep it to yourself. Before I was a believer, it would be talking to a GP and to different members of psychological help teams on the NHS. Um, but since becoming a believer, the most important person I can speak to is Jesus about it. Mm-hmm. As we sung in the song and heard from that guy, don't be afraid, for I'm, I'm Lord your God, I'm with you wherever you go. Mm-hmm. And Joshua 1 9. Mm-hmm. That verse really spoke to me. Mm-hmm. And also Matthew 15 verse 16, I think it is, where Jesus is rebuking his disciples and he says, Are you still so dull? So when I do feel really low, that verse, when I tried to take my life the last time, that came through to me so pat, just bang. Mm. It's like Jesus slapped me around the face and said mm. that to me. Mm. You didn't come to me. You're still so dull. You don't trust me to bring your problems to me. Mm. And that really woke me up mm. to realize that every single problem, if you take it to the Lord, he will answer. Yeah. Uh, people from the church came alongside me very quickly. Um, my GP, who many of you know is Dave Copping, he was phoning me up. This was just before Christmas. I was having phone calls from different members of the NHS mental health team. Even on Christmas Day, I had three phone calls from different people from the NHS. So there are people there who will listen mm. and who will help you, who will put you in the right contacts with the right people. But ultimately, I think it's praying mm-hmm. and praying with people who understand what you're going through and looking at Nathan. Nathan was one of those guys that was coming, walking with me, talking mm-hmm. about this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it just, trust in Jesus. Yeah. That was what really got me through, yeah. lifted me. And now when I start to feel that tension from the anxiety, mm-hmm. just fall to my knees and pray. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. And, and Joe, some of the things that have been recommended to you, and then obviously you work in mental health, but then obviously as a believer, how have you have you approached that? Yeah, so mine's obviously slightly different. My GP initially recommended antidepressants for me, but he did say, I don't know how effective these are going to be. He said, because your um, issues are all situational, so it's things mm. that have actually, they're real and they've really happened to you. And this is, he said, I think it's going to be a matter of working through those with talking therapy. Mm-hmm. So I... A very close friend of mine recommended me somewhere to go for talking therapy, which I did. And I have to say, I was very nervous about going and apprehensive. And it's like, oh, what am I going to say? I've got all my friends. I've got my church friends. You know, I can talk things over with them. But actually, it's really different. It's really different talking to a professional, and I would recommend it to anybody. Um, one of the things that she recommended that I do was to um, do some mindfulness. Now, that's a quite a buzzword out there at the moment, mindfulness. And she told me an app to have a look at and do some exercises, which I tried, but found it completely empty. It was based on nothing. There was nothing underpinning it. It was just like just talking words out into the ether. It did nothing for me. So I Googled um, did some googling myself and found a Christian app what's well, like a mindfulness a Christian app but it's more meditation and the very first I thought well I'll, I'll give this a try because at least I know I've got a faith I know that Jesus is there the very first when I just wrote it down on here the very first um, exercise I did um, it was based on Psalm 46 verse 10 
Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Now, you might not think that mentions anxiety, but at a time when so much was happening, my mind, I can only liken it to washing machine brain. Everything is going around and you're trying to hold everything together. Mm. So hear him, be still and know that I am God. Mm. That's a revelation. I could mm. just sit in his presence, not have to say anything, not have to tell him anything, just be. And that really, really helped. So having mm. something, obviously as Christians we know that, God is there, he is listening and having that to base that on mm. was really helpful. And then I would also like to acknowledge what you said and say that's true. Having your Christian friends come alongside you. I had Colin visit me. You know, I had friends sending me Bible verses. And um, I also found listening to hymns Mm. because I couldn't sing. I couldn't pray. I couldn't do anything. I literally couldn't. I was spending most of my day in my PJs lying on the sofa watching rubbish TV because I couldn't face another you know another thing so having just that and I would take myself to my bedroom probably three times a day I was doing that just those little exercises they were about 10 minutes each and each time the peace that came from just meditating on the word of the Lord was it was just such a refreshment it just stopped my mind it stopped all of those things going over and over and over and over and yeah it just brought me peace And I think since then, it's like knowing that you should keep doing those things. When you're well, base your life on that because yeah. you need to know those things before you get to that point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Wonderful. Thanks, guys, for sharing. Let me, let me pray for you both. That's for you. Uh, Father God, we thank you that we can, we can come to you, we can be still before you and know that you are God. And we thank you for the ways that you have worked in Dave's life and Jill's life. Uh, You work in our lives as we come before you, as we acknowledge you in everything. And so we pray, Father, for your your help to do that, to turn to you, to rest in you. Uh, We pray, Father, for good relationships too, for friendships, for people to come alongside us, to to share our burdens and to lift us up. Uh, And so we pray for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. If you want to chat to Jill or Dave, I'm sure they'd be happy to talk to you afterwards, uh, maybe even sharing some resources with you too. Uh, when it comes to anxiety, uh, whatever we're doing in life, I'm sure many things can have an impact on us that may be subtle or maybe serious. Uh, maybe you're a student at school and you're going through exams right now and you're not really sure the ones that you've done, how they have gone, or the ones that you have to do, how they will go. Maybe you're at home and you're at home alone quite a lot of the time and there's feelings of loneliness and perhaps anxiety that start to creep in into your mind and into your heart. Perhaps you're at work and the waves of work just keep hitting you and you have no surfboard and no lifesaver and you just keep getting smashed by it. You're just trying to keep yourself afloat, your head above water. Perhaps you're just not sure about the future, about what tomorrow will bring, what will happen in the future in next week or next year because really what, whatever is happening in our life the, the question that we all want to answer is well what does God have to say to me in that moment how does he bring me peace 
With so many uncertainties and so many unknowns in life, how do we process our thoughts? How do we free ourselves from these, these feelings of anxiety? Because life at, heart, life at times can be really quite difficult, really quite hard, as we process a number of things that are coming at us from different directions. Life can be quite difficult, can't it? And so we have to ask, well, what does the Lord Jesus have to say to us about anxiety? Before we, before we dive in, I'd just love to, to share with you a few resources just to, to reference and, and look up uh, yourself. Uh, there's some, some books which have been published recently, which uh, you might find helpful if you're looking into this a little bit more. There's been a, a new book uh, released called Mental Health and Your Church by Steve Midgley and Helen Thorne. And Helen Thorne's also written another book called Hope in an Anxious World. Then you have uh, Living Without Worry uh, by Tim Lane. And the last one there is uh, Dealing with Disappointment by John Hindley. Four good books which have just been released recently. Uh, If you read books on maybe a Kindle or an e-reader, this is a a free book. So if you have a, if you know how to use uh, QR codes, uh, you should be able to point it towards the screen and and pick up that free book uh, just for the rest of this month on the Good Book uh, website. Tim and Tim Lane's written a, a number of different resources on that. If you have small children, uh, there's a, a good little book which has been res, uh, released recently called Count Yourself Calm. Really simple book. Again, just helping young children to process their emotions, uh, just to walk through that. And lastly, if you're looking into some further training or, or study on this, um, I would really recommend uh, this uh, from uh, uh, from Crossland. So I studied with Crossland Seminary, and they're doing foundational courses. Uh, one is in pastoral care, so it's in uh, partnership with uh, Biblical Counseling UK. Again, uh, the details are there on the screen if you'd like to, to look at that in more detail. It covers about nine sessions, which I think you can do remotely um, and just work through those as we seek to, to care for one another. As I say, it's for people at every level um, of, of church, so you don't need to be a theologian to begin that. And so as we, as we look at the topic of anxiety tonight, uh, we obviously we won't cover everything because it's just a vast ocean of information. Uh, but we'll look at really five things. We'll look at five things uh, along the way. If you're taking notes, uh, this is what we'll cover. Uh, what it is and how it displays itself. So we'll look at a definition of anxiety and some of the, some of the issues with it. Uh, we'll look at, at how we care for people with it. So some practical ways in which we can do that. We'll look at some sinful responses to it, uh, how people might respond sinfully to to anxiety in their life, Uh, some do's and don'ts to help us, so some helpful advice along the way uh, to help us process it, some what you call common grace, the things which are are good that we can embrace. And ultimately, lastly, number five, what does God say? What does God say to us about this? So that's roughly what we'll cover uh, this evening. And so firstly, what is anxiety? Here's a definition by uh, healthline.com. There's various definitions, but here's one. Anxiety is your body's natural response to stress. It's a feeling of fear about what's to come. Let me read that again. Anxiety is your body's natural response 
to stress. It's a feeling of fear about what's to come. Maybe you have a deadline for an exam or an assignment, and maybe you have work to prepare, and maybe you've moved country, moved job, moved house, and moved school. Uh, maybe you've experienced the death of a loved one recently. All these things can have an effect on you that you would go through anxiety, uh, that it would push, uh, put you in a place of stress in your life. Well, how, it, how it displays itself? Well, it can display itself to anyone of any age. You don't need to be young or old, as we heard uh, from Dave and Jill. It can affect you in different ways at different seasons of life. And so we can struggle with it at any point based on the experiences that we have. When it comes to young people, according to to research by Children's Society, uh, one in six young people struggle with mental health issues. You might expect that to be far higher, but I guess that's serious mental health issues. It doesn't just cover anxiety, obviously, but it covers a a number of things. That's uh, children from the ages of 5 to 16 struggle with with serious mental health issues. Obviously, the effects of lockdown have increased things dramatically, uh, although people, some people are coming out of that. Uh, but there has been, according to Children's Society, there's been a 50%, 50% increase in mental health issues in the past three years. For some of us, those feelings, just, they just come and go. Um, they're subtle, and they come and go depending on our experiences. For other people, uh, they might last uh, six months or longer. And if they do, according to uh, medical professionals, they would say that you are then experiencing what is described as an anxiety disorder. And there's a a wide uh, variety of those uh, disorders. Um, I'm sure you've heard of of some of them. Uh, You have chronic worrying or GAD or general anxiety uh, disorder. That's a a long-term condition uh, that just makes you feel anxious generally and not based on specific events but in a general way you have selective mutism that's not speaking uh, you you've perhaps seen it with especially with young children who've experienced perhaps trauma in the, in their lives uh, as young children and then if that's not resolved as adults that will impact them clearly uh, into adulthood then you have panic disorder it means you experience reoccurring panic attacks maybe at totally unexpected times uh, that will hit you phobia an excessive fear of a subject or situation or activity some of these do blur into one another uh, and then you have social anxiety disorder uh, it's an extreme fear of being judged by others in social situations especially when you think of a context such as ours in church something to be very mindful of uh, as people come in the door or perhaps don't come in the door for this very reason that they have social anxiety that it just makes them it prevents them from coming uh, perhaps as well they, they might make a beeline for the door straight after the service so we just have to be very compassionate understanding to people uh, that they would they'd be able to to gather freely and not feel that that pressure um, because some may be maybe going through that so it's just being gracious and understanding to people there's also things like obsessive compulsive disorder. Uh, people might catastrophize events in their mind, probably or sometimes because of trauma in the past. 
that things happen. So people might look for safety and security in things. They might switch the lights on and off again and again or lock the car or wash their hands or do something repetitive to try and find some kind of, some kind of, of comfort and peace. If separation anxiety disorder, it means you have a fear of being away from your loved ones. Again, you see that uh, with children separated from their parents, uh, perhaps because of family issues, and it can lead to that uh, attachment disorder as, as, as they, they then find it difficult to make relationships or connection in the longer term. And then the last one is illness anxiety disorder. It used to be called hypochondria, or you think of maybe had the word hypochondriac, uh, someone that is always thinking of health, their health. Um, and again, you think of lockdown, that has made that issue far worse. People have really uh, become quite obsessed about it. Those who have had small issues with it then become, uh, it becomes a real major issue. So that's some of the anxiety uh, disorders that might display itself perhaps more obviously, but the things which are not as obvious perhaps are, are symptoms. Um, again, just looking at some of the, the secular work on this, uh, one of the most well-known things that people know about is probably PTSD, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Again, thinking of uh, childhood, if, if they've experienced uh, abuse or neglect or something like that in childhood, it will affect you. Maybe the death of a loved one, some kind of traumatic experience in life, it will shape you uh, for the for the negative. And if you don't deal with it, then it will impact you into your adult uh, years. Then you have major depressive disorders. Strong relationship, as we heard, between sort of anxiety and depression, a real connection there. Um, other things as well, arthritis or chronic pain. Uh, people become become anxious because they're struggling, uh, struggling through life. It might not be something that you would automatically connect with it, but that is something that people do struggle with. And, and lastly, substance use disorders. Again, from a secular position, that would, that would, how they would describe uh, substance uh, abuse. Many people turning to, to alcohol, to drugs, uh, to food, uh, to try and really give a sense of peace to their hearts that they would not have to struggle with it. And it just masks what's really going on underneath. And so that's some of the, the symptoms of how anxiety does display itself. And so as we think about that, uh, we then want to think about, well, how do we care for people with it? How do we care for people with it? Uh, one thing to do really is to listen, to listen to people, uh, listen to their stories. We we're talking about relationship earlier, and I think it's really important that when we're with people, that we really do listen to them, that we love them well, well enough uh, to be able to listen to their stories. We might have questions to clarify what they really mean by something, but we do have to be active in listening to them. Secondly, empathize, don't compare. I wonder perhaps if you've shared something from your heart and then someone immediately jumps in and says, it reminds me of the time that I dot dot dot. They're not listening to you. Um, so if, if we do that, we're just not listening. Um, it, it might be relevant. <laughs> it might be relevant, but, but don't jump in there. We do have to be empathetic, sympathetic to people. We want to just listen to them, uh, to listen to their story, to not make it about us, uh, but to listen to what's going on in their life. Uh, and then from that point, then we, we might, as we spoke about, lead them to appropriate scriptures. Appropriate scriptures, we don't want to hit them around the head, but just be gentle. Uh, be gentle, maybe ask them, would it be okay if I share this with you, or would it be okay if I, I share that? 
something that would really encourage them uh, from the heart. Obviously, as Christians, we want to pray for them, pray, pray with them, pray for them, ask them if, they, if they'd like that, and we will do that with them as well. And the, the last thing is really to take initiative in practical ways. I wonder perhaps if, uh, if you've had, if you've gone through a hard time and someone just says to you, let me know if I can do anything for you. <laughs> do you let them know? No, you don't. Because you have to take the step. And so if you see someone in need, struggling with something, take the initiative and help them. Uh, recently I was visiting someone and uh, they were just doing some gardening work and clearly struggling. And so I said, well, let me help you with that. If I can't help you, then I'll, I'll get someone that will and I'll, I'll line them up with you. We want to be really intentional at taking initiative and being able to help people. That might be uh, with taking a meal. It might be with helping them fill out a job application, uh, a CV. It could be anything, childcare. It's something that we, we can do. We can we see a need and we just do it. We just do it for them. They don't have to make a decision. We make the decision for them. And we want to care for people well. And so that's a couple of things. What is it? How it displays itself? How to care for people with it? Uh, thirdly, sinful responses to it. Uh, perhaps uh, one question we might have is: Is anxiety in itself sinful? Is it sinful? The answer is no. It is not sinful in itself. You read through the New Testament, even the Apostle Paul, he speaks about being anxious at times. Anxiety in itself is not, is not a sin. But how we respond to it, well, it can be. And one way that we can respond to it is by escapism. Trying to, trying to flee our emotions and get away from that, that, that dreaded feeling of anxiety. One of the most common ways that people do that, as I'm sure you are very well aware of, is through their smartphone. There's smartphone addiction and anxiety. And there's been quite a lot of studies done recently on this, especially in the light of lockdown. People just turn into their phones to try and flee that sense of anxiety that is bubbling up inside them. A recent study published by PubMed looked at university students and it said that results showed that COVID-19 had a significant impact upon depression, anxiety and smartphone use and addiction. The proportion of the 2021 group who met clinical thresholds for depression was significantly higher, reaching 44%. Furthermore, worryingly, half of our COVID group were classified as being addicted to their smartphone. We also found significant correlation between mental health problems and smartphone usage, showing a clear association between increases in smartphone use and increases in depression and anxiety. The Protestant reformer Martin Luther, he has a phrase or had a phrase, sin is life turned in on itself. It means that we focus on ourselves rather than looking outwards to God and to others. And smartphone addiction could not be a better illustration of that. As we we turn in on ourselves, we, we just live in our own little world. And we forget about others. We forget about the world, or we try to at least. They just fade into the background. And so really, it's a, it's a challenge and it's a warning for, for each of us, no matter what age we are, to be careful of how we use our phones, especially mindful of the emotions that we're experiencing from time to time. 
And so that is one way in which we respond sinfully is escapism. And the other way is optimism. Um, just to, to think positively. Maybe that, you know, next, tomorrow, next week, next month, things will be better. But it also, what it does is it suppresses our feelings. And if we were to Christianize it, we could just say, well, God is good. <laughs> he is. He is good. But that doesn't actually deal with what's going on in our life. So we need to be able to, to process it, uh, to be able to, to process what's going on in our hearts, uh, the anxiety which is which we're wrestling with, which we don't acknowledge, and we just kind of stick a label on it and say everything's good, God is good. That's one way in which we can actually, we don't respond as, we, as well as we should. And then uh, the third way is fatalism. Uh, fatalism is the idea that, well, it won't get any better than this. This it's just I'm, I'm plagued with this. It's just the way it is, and it'll never get any better. And really, it is a it's a very slippery slope, isn't it? It's a slippery slope to be on, because we'll start to harden to what's going on in our life. We might start to harden our hearts to God, which really means we need to think about the warnings that Hebrews talks about in Hebrews 12, in verse 15. In the NLT version, it says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. We really want to be on our guard against anxious thoughts that if unleft, if left alone, they will harden us because we'll start to go against God. We'll start to say, actually, God is not good to me. He hasn't given me what I need, what I want. And we might start to to doubt who we are in the Lord. We might start to doubt the love of God for ourselves. So it's really important to be able to process our emotions well. So that's some sinful responses to it. Uh, But fourthly, we want to have some helpful advice. What are some things that we can do? As I say, there's many, many things in culture which we can embrace, some really good things, some common grace, as we say. Um, but firstly, looking at the do's and don'ts, let's look at the don'ts, things not to do. Looking online is one thing, but staying online without limits is another. And again, tied to the aspect of using your phone, it's something just to be very, very mindful of, especially if you're someone that is prone to anxiety and depression. Just take care of how much you use your phone. Put some, some limits. I know that parents will, will give a, a child uh, a tablet and maybe put screen time or screen lock after 20 minutes or so, but we don't do that with adults. Maybe we should. <laughs> maybe we should at times. And secondly, don't binge on Netflix. Everybody talks about um, binging on box sets or TV shows, which if you're with other people, that can be quite enjoyable. But if you're by yourself, you can put yourself in a hole quite quickly. If you're alone, you can just start to crawl into a dark hole. So I would just say, just be very careful of that. You think of people, for example, elderly who just watch TV all day long. That's not a good habit, especially if you're by yourself. So we need to be careful just as we manage our emotions. Don't binge on Netflix or TV. Uh, Be mindful of working alone from home. Some people... Speaking of uh, working from home, it is the golden ticket. Everybody, some people just love it. It doesn't have, you don't have to travel, a lot less hassle, more time at home with the family and what have you. Again though, if you are at home alone, 
We just need to be careful of our emotions. Um, are you feeling low? And if you are, then go and call someone, text someone, go for a walk around the block. Uh, do something to break that feeling of loneliness and isolation. Uh, next thing, just common, common sense, uh, avoid alcohol or limit it. If you struggle with anxiety or low mood, alcohol will make it far worse, even just one or two. It's something really to, to cut out if you are anxious. Certainly don't drink by yourself. Other things like stimulants, avoid caffeine or limit it in your life. Fizzy drinks, I think for, for young people or older people too. Again, if you have if you've anxious thoughts, it will spike your energy levels, make you big highs or big lows. And so you want to be mindful of that. And lastly, if you, if you smoke or vape, stop it. <laughs> if you want to reduce your anxiety... Uh, you just have to look to, to break those habits, take steps to, to do that, to make you feel better overall. And so, so those are some of the some of the don'ts, some of the do's on a positive note. Uh, as we talk about anxiety, uh, some people might be completely paralyzed by the things that are going on in their life, uh, things that are going on during the day. And so really for some people it's just to have one goal in the day. We heard from, from Jill earlier, just being able to do one thing, being able to maybe just look at, look at a piece of scripture. For, for some people it might be to wash the dishes, to uh, clean their clothes, to clean the kitchen, whatever it might be, to post a letter. Just setting yourself one goal a day. Secondly, get, get enough sleep. Um, again, attached to that is no screens in the bedrooms. All the, the productivity people, the, the health experts, they all say the same thing. Uh, get your phone out your room and buy an alarm clock. Um, it's something which I did a couple of years ago now, actually, and it's been really helpful because at night uh, you don't uh, scroll through your phone for what ends up being 30 minutes, 40 minutes instead of sleeping. And, in, and when you wake up in the morning, it's not the first thing that you check. Uh, so I would really recommend you you buy an alarm clock and that you're able to then rest uh, rest well Uh, regular exercise really helpful again if you're uh, if you're not used to it maybe just going for a walk from time to time uh, maybe 20 minutes a day 30 minutes a day trying to just feel the benefit of it as, as you're able from a secular perspective they talk about meditation um, and yoga is tied into that as well. But as Christians, we want to be really filling our minds. We heard from Jill, filling our mind with God's word and developing good and healthy prayer life. Um, if we're in that place to be able to just soak on, on the word of God and, and think about that, turning that over in our lives, in our minds. Eating healthily. Uh, diet plays a massive role in feeling, feeling good, feeling well. Um, so maybe we don't actually know how to cook. It could be a life skill to be able to develop, to cook good food, uh, just to feel better that we don't eat junk. Uh, and therefore, we want to really keep ourselves healthy in that way. As, as Dave mentioned, there's talk therapy or cognitive behavioral therapy known as C, CBD, CBT. Um, there's different forms of it out there. Um, and they are quite helpful just to be able to process your thoughts, to, to work through them. And as we mentioned, as Joe mentioned, it's thinking about that from a Christian perspective as well. How do we, how do we process that as Christians? Pursue good relationships. Healthy relationships, healthy friendships is so important in this. Calling someone up when you feel a bit low. Going for a walk, going for a coffee, having a meal with them. 
uh, just being able to text them. Having good relationships with others is so important to be able to process our emotions. And lastly, serve others. When we realize actually we have something to give other people, then we start to realize actually we have a bit of a, we have value in our lives. There's a value to, to what we have and what we do. As we mentioned last Sunday, it could be anything. It could be small things like making a phone call to someone, making a cake for someone, being able to serve them in different ways, cut the grass if we're able, do something that we can, we can show that we are able to serve them. Because as we've seen, when it comes to secular uh, treatments, there really are, according to this, uh, some of the research, there, there's three really big areas in which secular uh, treatments uh, approach things for anxiety. One is uh, psychotherapy, so that's things like CBT, talk therapy, things like that. Health techniques, um, so we spoke about exercise, diet, breathing, meditation, things like that. And then medication. Again, we don't want to be afraid of it, but use it um, appropriately. Uh, see it as what it is, the common grace of medicine, to be able to, to help us, to be able to get us to a point to think rationally. But as, as Christians, as we think about all these things, as good as they are, we have to ask, well, how effective are they? Whilst we acknowledge the, the value of professional advice and, and medical care, we do want to ask, well, do they, do they really help the core issue, the heart issue that is behind it all. Because they, we do benefit from them, but fundamentally they address the fruit and not the root. They address the fruit and not the root. They will help us to cope, but they won't help us really to get to the core of the issue, the core of the problem. Which brings us really to the final point when you think about anxiety. What does God say? There's lots of good things out there, but ultimately we want to know as Christians, what does God say about it? There's many secular treatments which are helpful um, and helpful to us in being able to process things, but ultimately we want to get to the heart. As Proverbs 4 says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything we do is driven by our hearts, by our passions, by our affections. And so we do want to have hearts which are radically different. We want to have hearts shaped by the gospel. The challenge is that even as Christians, we will still battle with sin. As I heard it recently said, sin no longer reigns, but it does remain. It no longer reigns in our life, but it does remain in our life. And therefore, we need to be always putting off the old and putting on the new. And that's really why, as as you think back to a few months back now, we did this course. We did the Real Change course, which was trying to get really at that that issue, at the heart of things, as we deal with the, the heat that's coming at us from the outside world, maybe from what's going on in our hearts. The, the thorns of, of sin processing it in light of the cross that we would produce fruit uh, the fruit of the spirit in our lives that we would live different lives that we would be changed by the Lord we want to, to really get to the heart as we think about well how should we respond to it I think uh, one of the, the key verses to think about it is is Romans 12, verse 2. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, 
be transformed by the renewing of your mind. True transformation really happens to us when we change how we think and what we believe. It's from our head to our heart to our hands. It's a, it's a change of mind that leads to a change of heart that leads to a change of action. We want to be transformed people to live lives which have the peace of God reigning in our hearts each day as we process through all the things that are coming to us. As we live in the light of what the Lord Jesus has done for us. Which really, we do want to ask that question, don't we? What does Jesus say? What does Jesus have to say to us? If you have a Bible, please return with me to uh, Matthew uh, chapter 6 as we think about that question. Matthew chapter 6. And we're looking at uh, verse 25 to 34. <clears throat> he says this. Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying about uh, worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Who is God to us? He is our loving heavenly father and he cares for you he cares for each one of us look with me if you will to the verse 26 there as jesus says to his disciples and to us today look at the birds of the air they do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not much more valuable than they. In Jesus, we can see really two big truths about who God is. We see connection and control. Because God is now our Father in heaven, and we are connected to Him through the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of God, that we have that intimate relationship with Him. He cares for each one of us. And therefore we can come to him. We can lay our anxieties before him because he cares for us. He is our heavenly father and he loves us. 
He's shown his love for us in giving his son for us to pay for our sins in full on the cross that we would know him as our father. And he is our father in heaven who is in control of everything in our lives. He's in control of our lives and I am not. He reigns over everything and I don't. He feeds the birds of the air and the clothes and clothes the grass of the field and I don't. But he cares for me far more than them. Our Heavenly Father cares for our needs and he is in control of all of our lives, of every detail of our lives. Not one hair of our head will fall without him knowing. And therefore we can rest in that. We can rest in those promises. That we have connection with him because he is in control of everything. We can rest in the promises that are ours in him. Amen. If you've got your sheet there, then I'm going to turn over to you now to do some heavy lifting. Uh, we're uh, just going to have a look at that together, and then I'll send you out, break you out if you like. Um, so there's the first page, which has consider, uh, confess, commit, and change. The first part there, consider what... This is something to do at home, so we won't do this part. We won't do this part tonight, but I'll leave you with that um, to do at home. I know that the young people, for example, are going, af- going out afterwards to Saab and, and Karen's house. It would be a wonderful thing to be able to do, uh, maybe uh, individually or as a group, to think those things through. Uh, firstly, to consider what's going on in your life, in your head, in your heart, and write, write down your emotions, um, and then how you're experiencing that. I think, I doubt, I want, I fear, and so on. Secondly, confess. Acknowledge and confess to God and others the things that you you want to be different. Speak that out, write that out. Commit. Uh, Make a decision to to choose to live differently. Uh, What you have been believing, what you will be believing. Um, Be specific in that as well. In the I will uh, the change, what steps will you take and ultimately take action. Don't just sit on it, but really enact the change, make a, a small step in that direction. And then lastly, pray into it. Uh, there's an example there from Psalm uh, 13. You could use that if you want uh, to be able to, to process through uh, your struggles and your emotion. So that's something to to do at home um, or in the group afterwards with young with other young people um, but whilst we're here um, I'm just going to give you 10 minutes and I'm going to allow you to just spread out the, uh, through the whole church building so we can stay in here or go through there or stay in the, or be in a concourse um, and it's just 10 minutes to be able to, to, to look at this page together so firstly we have uh, my responsibilities on the left hand side and the, on the right hand side entrusting concerns to God so my responsibilities, anything that I am responsible for, anything that I have power over 
I just want you to basically empty your mind and write everything down on that. The things which are on your mind right now, the things that you are responsible for, write that down on the left-hand side. And then the right-hand side, entrusting concerns to God, things that are completely out with your control, that you would be able to entrust them to God and write those down in detail. Uh, Be as specific as you can. We won't share that as a group, uh, but it'll be something just to process through as individuals. Uh, We'll come back in 10 minutes. Um, If you would like some some inspiration of things to think about, uh, I don't know if you can read that or not, but there's some, some, uh, some things to think about, things which I can control, things that I don't. It just gives you general ideas, but try and be as specific as you can. Uh, things which you are responsible for, things which are within my control, uh, and things uh, which I can entrust God to. So, give you 10 minutes, it's 7 o'clock now. Uh, 10 past 7, uh, we'll come back in here. Um, once you've, maybe once you've written both sides, uh, things which are on your heart, um, things which you can do, things which you want to trust God to, then do pray into it. Uh, and then we'll come back together uh, and uh, I'll lead us or close us in prayer. So 10 minutes, uh, as I say, jump in the back hall, stay in here, just give yourself a little bit of space to be able to process. If you need a pen, there should be a pen around the place. Thanks.